You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. to say we're going to see revival. Come on, we're going to see revival. We're going to have revival. We're in revival. Hallelujah. Thank God for revival. I believe we're going to see the greatest this coming year, 2024. We're going to see the greatest church growth we've ever seen in St. John and throughout our district. And I'm just believing God. We're praying, fasting, believing God for a great revival. So many people are lost today. So many hurting people all around us. You have them living next to you. You have them sometimes living with you. Children, young people, hurting people. We're going to see revival in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we will see revival. Hallelujah. I feel a beautiful presence of the Lord here, and I was praying early this morning. I come to the church and pray. I just felt such a burden for missions and for the, our missionaries that are out on the field. I don't think most of us have any idea what sometimes they go through, what they're suffering sometimes, loneliness, unknown loneliness, but just very dangerous situations that come they confront from day to day. And oh, how they need our prayers and our support. Thank the Lord. I want to say, church, you are the greatest church for giving to missions. Clap your hands and say thank you. Thank you, Brother Hanskin, for that great report. Amen. Amen. Your great church. Last month, $20,724. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I just thank the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands. Just thank the Lord for blessing. We're all blessed here tonight. We're blessed tonight. Oh, God, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We're so blessed and so thankful, Lord, for all you're doing for us here in our city today. Praise God. I'm just reading today, I just wrote down a few little reports that I got from some of their letters. Uh, Guyana had 70 baptized, 30 filled with the Holy Ghost a couple of weekends ago. Ecuador National Conference, 25,000 in attendance. I don't think I've ever been in a crowd like that. Maybe I have a conference or something. 25,000 people. Scotland, five, in five weeks, they baptized 32 18 filled with the Holy Ghost. New Zealand General Conference, 367 was in attendance. Bible school graduation, several graduates. Costa Rica, in one service, 30 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there were many, many great miracles. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just thank God for what is happening around our world today. One soul is worth more than the whole world. And here we are seeing some of them hundreds being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we can be a part of that. And that's the beautiful thing about it. We can be a part of that. Amen. 
I was thinking today as I was praying this morning, and I, I kind of got a, a strange burden. I kind of unloaded on our pastor this morning. But I, I, I just want us to, over the next month or so, to focus on prayer for our missionaries. Could you do that? And I've got a sheet here with just a 20. If I could get 20 people that would, that would uh, pray 30 minutes a day for our missionaries over the next month. 20 people. I'm going to be out in the back there, and I've got a little thing you can sign if you would do that. I'm not going to take any hands showing here tonight. But if you feel like I'm feeling it tonight, we need to to focus on prayer for our missionaries. They are hurting. They are suffering. They are sacrificing. They are giving their all. I'm thankful for every one of them tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Could we lift our hands and let's pray for our missionaries right now. Would you do that? Lord Jesus, how we need you tonight, all that we do. Except you build the house, we just would labor in vain. But God, there's a great move of your spirit in our world as we're getting nearer and nearer and closer to the coming and your soon return. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing around our world. In all of our countries, Lord, our missionaries that are laboring in these countries, Lord, I pray for them in Jesus' name. Protect them. They're in dangerous situations in many cases, traveling on very dangerous roads and so forth. We just want you to look after them and pray. We pray for them tonight. We ask it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Happy to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It's great to be here. We're looking forward to Brother Neil's ministering tonight. Hello, everyone. How are we all doing? Most, if there's any guests here tonight, just heads up that our pastor is away on vacation. Our associate pastor is sitting over there, so you are listening to me tonight. Um, Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, all I ask is that If you are a first-time guest, make sure you come back and hear our pastor and associate pastor speak, uh, no matter how good or bad I do. And um, honor, obviously, to brother and sister Carter. Funny story, funny as an embarrassing for me, Um, before brother and sister Carter left, we were just chatting with, my wife and I were chatting with brother Carter, and he was talking about their vacation in South Carolina and how they hoped that it would be good weather down there and you know, because it hasn't exactly been really hot, even that far south. And um, we were just saying, yeah, we hope you get good weather and just normal chit-chat. And then he said that he's only going to go take his wife shopping on days that it rains. And I said, well, I really hope you get good weather. So then Brother Carter walks away. He leaves, conversation's over. And then Sister Carter walks by, and we're like, see you later. Have a good vacation. And then I yell out, I hope it rains. When she had no context on anything about what we had just talked about. She's probably thinking, what a jerk. <laughs> Who says I hope it rains to someone before they go on vacation? Anyway, I meant so that you could go shopping, Sister Carter. <laughs> Either way. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know how long, it's 7.40. I don't know when church is supposed to end anymore. I used to know. Now it's so confusing because all the times are different. So I'm going to be as to the point as possible. Uh, I'm going to read quite a long scripture, though, so I'm going to try to put it up there. Joshua chapter number 4. 
I'm going to read it, and I'm going to read it quick, because it is kind of long, and then we'll get right into it. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 4, I'm reading from the New Living. I'm starting at verse 1, and I'll be skipping down, and I'll let you know when I skip. It says, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, and in front of the ark of the Lord of your God, each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each tribe of Israel. And we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Same chapter, skipping down to verse 21, almost repeating the exact same thing, but I just want to reiterate it. Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you will tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river before your eyes and kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did with the Red Sea, when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, and so we might fear the Lord our God forever. Amen. It's a lot, a mouthful, and I did read it quick, but you get the point. They're taking some really big rocks and setting them up on purpose because they wanted people to see them. And my title tonight is, If These Walls Could Talk. Oh, look, perfect. I don't know if you can tell, but that's actually like a wall with like words coming out of it. It's perfect. If These Walls Could Talk. My title tonight is known as an idiom. And you might not be familiar exactly with what an idiom is, but I can almost guarantee that every single person in this room has used one probably even today. Idioms are very common in the English language, which makes English one of the hardest languages for people who don't know it to learn. We have such weird things in English. We all know about read, read, read. I know how to read, so I read a red book. Imagine how confusing that is for someone who hasn't grown up with English as their first language. We know about orange being a color and a thing. So being the nerd I am, I actually said, I need to find this out. I need to figure out the origin of orange being two different things. Because part of me was concerned that people were so lazy that they looked at this piece of fruit and said, let's just call it orange because it is orange. But that's actually not true. The fruit came first. Okay. In fact, before that fruit made it to northern Europe, France, and England, people used to call the color orange red-yellow. So I'm actually kind of glad. But once this fruit made it to the to most northern parts of Europe, it became very popular, obviously, and they decided to change the name of the color to orange. There. That's the end. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you learned something you didn't think you ever would or ever cared to. Idioms are very common. Have you ever done a test and walked out and said that was a piece of cake? Have you ever barked up, for some reason, the wrong tree, bit a bullet, beat around a bush, sat on a fence, or even went back to the drawing board? 
If you've done any of those things, you now know what an idiom is. It's a group of words expression established by the usage of having one meaning that is not detectable from the words as individual words. So these words put together mean something, but if you just look at the words, you don't know the idiom, they make no sense at all. Okay? There was no cake at your test. Okay? And you never once sat on a fence deciding which car to buy. Well, maybe you did, but I hope you didn't. They're expressions. But if you know them, you know them. If you don't, you don't. If these walls could talk, I'm going to first off make sure you understand one thing. It's not this. There's another one that says, oh, to be a fly on the wall. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. That's you wanting to be in the room when a juicy story or juicy conversation is being had so that you can later gossip about it. That is not what I'm talking about. If these walls could talk, what that idiom means is if these four walls, all that they have seen, all that they have heard, man, could they ever tell some real good stories? And that's what I want to talk about. So back to the scripture, Joshua set up these 12 stones as a memorial, but they weren't just there to be rocks and they weren't there just to be a decoration. They were there to tell a story. So that at any time future generations walk past that specific spot in Israel, it was actually around Gilgal, they were going to see these stones and say, hey, look, someone did that. That's not just some natural formation. Someone took 12 really big rocks and piled them up. Why did they do that? And then the older generation was supposed to speak up and say, oh, the reason those rocks are there is to remind us that many years ago, we needed to get from that side of the river to this side of the river, and we didn't have a boat. And God sent some men into the river, holding the Ark of the Covenant, the water stopped flowing, and then we all walked through. Those were there to tell a story of something God, that great, had got, great that God had done. Now, a little backstory on this. It's from the fourth chapter of the book of Joshua. So Moses has passed away, and now Joshua has kind of taken over as the leader of the children of Israel. And God was ready finally to take them to the promised land. And this is the second time, yes, the second time, that God did a miraculous water rescue of these people. Twice now, he has stopped the flow of a major body of water. The last time the Israelites crossed the body of water, it didn't go very well. They crossed the Red Sea. Remember, they were enslaved in Egypt. They needed to get out of Egypt. God made a way for them to get out of Egypt. They ran in the middle of the night, and then Pharaoh chased them. They got up against the Red Sea, and they said, oh, no, we're dead. Let's go back. God said, no, just hold on. Moses is going to do something. Parts the Red Sea, they all walk through. Now, you would think, okay, wow, that's pretty amazing. We're not going to forget that. Then it was supposed to be a less than two-week journey from there to the promised land. They move in. It's done. Didn't go like that, did it? Because they forgot. And they started to complain and whine. And eventually God said, you guys aren't the ones going to the promised land. Now we've got to wait 40 years until every one of you die. And then the next generation is going to be the ones that get to go. So this time around, God and Joshua are not taking any chances. They get some rocks and make a really, really big pile. We're building a statue here so that they don't forget this time. Future generations are going to say, tell us the story of these stones. So tonight I want to talk to you, and I'm going to try to go down memory lane. We're going to stay in the future, present and even look ahead into the future. If somebody walked into this room tonight, 
and they, they, they knew nothing. They don't have any history with this place, no relatives, no connections, no backstory. They just walk into this room tonight, looked at these four walls, and yes, I know it's hard to picture, but there actually are four walls in this room. There's just a lot of bump outs and things that make it look like there's 28 walls, but there's actually four walls in this room. I was checking it during the singing. I'm like, one, two, three. Yeah, there's four. It just looks like there isn't. Walk in and say, tell me four walls. What's the story of this room? What's the story of this place? What is it all about? Tell me what 130 Mark Drive, First United Pentecostal Church, Mission Point is. Now, you remember that old church song you learned when you were a kid? The church is not the steeple. The church, sorry, the church is not the building. The church is not the steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. And you do that thing with your fingers. Yes, I absolutely get that, and I'm not trying to tear down the theology of that song. But I also think it's possible for two things to be true at the same time. The church is the people. I don't discount that at all. However, the building is also important. And I think the fact that God said, we're going to put up a memorial in this one spot meant something. There is also something to the place, the four walls, because the four walls are where the people gather together. And the most powerful and exciting and memorable and awesome things happen, not when we're apart, but when we're gathered together. Now, there are times when God needs to send us outside the four walls to do some stuff. But he always calls us back and says, okay, you went out, you did that, now it's time to come back and get within the four walls with the people again. So here's some of the things I think the walls would say to this stranger who doesn't know anything about Mission Point. The first thing I think the wall would say is, this is a gathering place. This room is a gathering place. And not just that. Life inside these walls is very different than life outside of these walls. Outside of these walls, people live by a whole other set of rules and way of thinking. Outside of these walls, the world still practices division. We are taught outside these walls to stick to our little groups. The world wants to divide us up and put us into little groups by the color of our skin, the language we speak, the upbringing, the neighborhood we were raised in, the schools we went to, the education we have, the money we do or don't have in our bank account. That's the little group. We find our way to our little group and we stick to our little group. Outside these walls, it's every man or woman for themselves. Outside these walls, is, it's, if it seems okay to you and it's not hurting anyone too much, go ahead and do it. Outside of these walls, pretty much anything is acceptable as long as it has nothing to do with Jesus. Listen, I think it's proper and biblical for Christians to follow the laws of the country, to vote, to be respectful and positive citizens in our community, or even to pray for our leaders. And sometimes that's hard. I find myself praying for new leaders more than I do praying for current leaders. But I... But if you're trying to live your life based solely on how society works outside these walls, I'm here to tell you that you're headed for a major, huge disappointment. But inside these walls, it's different. 
There are no groups. There are no clubs. There are no sections or places that we're supposed to be. There's only people where everyone is welcome. But let's face it, that's not good enough. You can't say, well, we're the church where everyone's welcome. That's not good enough. We're not going to say, oh, we're just the church where everyone's welcome. No, we're the church where everyone belongs. No one is excluded from anything when you walk into this place. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what you do or don't have, what you do or don't bring to the table. We'll find something for you to do. Don't worry. And we'll find a way for you to belong. At my job, I say it's my new job, but I've been there for over two years. But at my new job at the community college, um, obviously the community college is a huge driver of immigration to New Brunswick. And I don't think there's any big secret that I'm letting out of the bag, but immigration to New Brunswick since the end of the pandemic has gone crazy. Okay? People are moving from other parts of Canada. People are moving from other parts of the world, and they're finding their way to New Brunswick. Community College is a big driver of that because a lot of people come to study, and then they end up staying. One and two actually stay in the province. And people have all different kinds of opinions on that, but... My opinion is, if it doesn't happen, this province won't exist, because let's face it, we're a very old province, a very white province while we're at it, and we need new people to come, or there will not be anyone to do any of the jobs. So if you have a plan of living in a retirement home 10 or 15 years from now, you want someone to actually work there. And if people do not move to this province, we are in trouble. So we need to be thankful that God is sending people. But this is the cool part. And this is, I don't tell anyone this at my work, but this is amazing to me because they actually track where people are coming from. And they're coming from many, many different countries. Okay? But the number, the three most popular countries that people are coming from, from other parts of the world to move to New Brunswick, are as follows, and these are not necessarily in any order, But the first one is Nigeria. Check. Okay. We have seen a huge influx of new mission pointers. I don't know what to call us. We're just mission pointers. Who have found their way to us via Nigeria. Now, some have moved from other provinces. Some have moved straight from Nigeria. Okay. Number two, the Philippines. Check. We have Donnie and Sherry, obviously, and some others, and we have like, what, 100, 200, 300 people over in that other room that are just, they don't know their mission pointers yet, but God's working on them. So, Brother Hanscom, I'm going to give you the third one. I'm going to tell you, get ready because they're coming. That's India. So, get ready because India is coming to mission point. And India is now the largest country in the world by population, so we better give them an entire section. Because when they come, there's going to be a lot of them. I'm so happy, I'm so glad to be part of a church that you can just come and we don't care about that stuff. Listen, I don't know everything about Nigeria and I want to learn more about it. As young people are coming into my Sunday school class, and obviously I had Nathan, who was the gem of all Sunday school kids you could ever have, and he was, I miss him because he's now in Europe, but graduated and doing amazing things, but I want to learn more about these places. 
because I'm not going to stand here and say, well, I know all about it. I don't know anything. I can Google, and, but I want to know. And I love that our church is like that, so welcoming. And we're just intermixing. There's no group. It's just the group, the church, the people. But it's not just where we came from on a map. It's also where you came from spiritually. Some of us were born and raised inside these walls. Now, there was no actual birth inside the walls, don't. But you know what I mean. Some people have been coming to these, this, this place. They were brought here in car seats. They were carried in, in a, like as an infant. And then there's other people who joined along the way, like me. Okay, I joined along the way at like 17 years old. But it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the circumstances that got you here or didn't get you here or took you longer to get here than other people. It doesn't matter because once you're here, that's all that matters. You're here now. You don't need to worry about where, how. You, you're here now. And that's a whole other message. We can preach that a million different ways. But it's not just where you're from on the map. It's where you're from spiritually. But we're all here now in one place. And there's some people who aren't here anymore. Okay? And that's a choice that if I'd say that's not really a good choice. If I had to choose, I'd rather be here than not here. But I will say this. Bad choices don't have to be forever. The door's still unlocked. The welcome sign's still on. The open sign's still on. You can still come in. If you're watching this on YouTube a year from now or next week and you're one of those people and you're like, you're kind of watching on YouTube but you haven't really come through the door, YouTube's awesome and I'm glad you're watching our services but at some point, God wants you to come through that door. God's calling you and I'm telling you and this is me telling you for God, at some point, you need to come through the door. These walls would tell us that this place is a place of historical significance. And you drive by it, you wouldn't think that. A lot of people wouldn't think that. But I can tell you in the time that I've been here, some of the events and things that have happened in this very room would blow your mind. I can tell you about different prayer summits, Canada conferences, missions conferences, Easter dramas, youth, week, youth weeks, youth weekends, youth conventions, youth everything. There's been some amazing things happen in this place. There have been preachers that are so, like, among the best speakers for the Word of God in the entire earth have stood behind this pulpit. We had Brother Bernard here not even, like, two years ago preaching on this platform, teaching on this platform. Amazing things have happened. I can remember events where there were no seats. And I know, like, Sunday morning, it's crowded in here, and I'm not complaining about that. But I'm talking about events like no seats. Like, you're like this. You're in chairs along the wall, and I think Brother Hanscom's right. We're going to be there by this time next year on a regular week. But there's been some amazing things take place inside of these walls. And most of, many of you have been at those things, and you can remember those. Maybe God did something life-changing for you in one of those events, and it's very special to you, and you never forget it. These walls have heard every clap when someone's been baptized. They've heard the shouts of joy when someone received the Holy Ghost. They've heard the groans of prayer, the exuberance of preaching, the harmony of every type of music going. If there's a type of music that's been sung in this building, the laughter of fellowship, the acting of children every Christmas, 
All the you may now kiss the brides, the offerings received, the missionaries sent, the baby dedications where the baby cried and tried to grab the pastor's tie, even the tearful goodbyes of a funeral. Sometimes we pray and pray and pray for God to heal someone. They don't heal them. And then we come back and say, God's still a healer. There's even been the occasional person that might be a little weird. And you know what they say. If you don't know who the weirdo is at your church, be careful because it might be you. But I think more than anything, what these walls might want to tell us tonight is as much as there's all those exciting, memorable things from the past, being, oh, remember this, remember this, Brother Stone King was here, and all these different things that happened, I think what it would want to tell us more than anything else is just the ordinary. Just the ordinary. When people came to this church on a Sunday morning, because it's a Sunday morning. Then they came on a Wednesday night. Just the overall faithfulness of people who are faithful to God, faithful to the church, faithful to the house of God, and just keep coming back week after week, service after service, because they know that's where they want to be. Now, technology, God love it. So my phone and my watch are somehow now connected to my car. So as soon as I get in my car... On Sunday morning, and I hit that start button, my watch immediately tells me, well, guess what? It's exactly eight minutes to the 130 Mark Drive area because he knows it's 645, so maybe a little later. My wife would contend we're usually late. So it's before church on Wednesday night or Sunday morning, and it knows, guess what? You're going to the 130 Mark Drive area. It doesn't know where that is because I must park too far away. It knows. It's creepy, but it knows. It also knows on Tuesday night I'm probably going to the Sobeys Costco area. And the most embarrassing thing of all time happened to me just this past weekend. I came to church. We had Sunday school. We had church upstairs. Whatever. We get ready. I'm ready to leave. We're going out. Get on my car. Hit that start button. My watch flashes up, and I look down. It says, four minutes to Wendy's. No, I'm not that person. (laughs) I don't go to Wendy's that often. Maybe I do, I don't know. But if technology's figured out my schedule and your schedule too, it knows. It's Wednesday night, where are you going to be? Church. It's Sunday morning, where are you going to be? Church. Friday night, where are you going to be? Church. It's just what we do. It's our schedule. It's built in. And these walls would say, hey, look, this is just what they do. These walls have seen every time you drug yourself to this place. You know, you got in a big fight with your entire family on the drive to the building. For me, it's only seven minutes. You can have a big fight in seven minutes. You stomped your feet across the pavement. You went in, sat there, acted like it was every, everything was good when Pastor Carter walked by. And you said, all right, let's worship. But then what happens? The presence of God starts moving. Did you ever notice it's the night when you're like, you really drug yourself here? 
you were tired, you had a bad day at work, your family was annoying you, you're not feeling good, you had every reason in the world not to be here, but you drag yourself here, and then that's the night they picked that song. And you went from the grouchy, didn't want to be here person to the, oh, God, I love you. Or the preacher says the exact thing that's been going on. He says, you're the problem. And you're like, oh, I am. God knows. Oh, don't all look at me like, act like you always want to come to church. You're all like, I know you're human. I know there's nights when you don't want to come. We live in Canada. It can be minus 38. There's nights when you don't want to come, but we still do it. Why? Because we know that church is the place where we go. Listen, on our worst day, and I'm not joking, on our worst day, when our whole life could be falling apart, you get that unexpected phone call, that unexpected thing happens, that bad news, whatever. Isn't there comfort in knowing that no matter how bad it gets, I can come to this place and just sit in this room? Even if it's not even a church night, just come and sit here. And know that you're going to find people, friends and family and support and pastors and all that stuff. And most of all, Jesus. And you're like, well, Jesus is everywhere. I totally get that. But there's sometimes just being in this room makes a difference. I don't know why. It just does. If you really stop and think about it, these walls, man, they could talk for a long, long time about every single one of us. They've been watching some of us for 29 years since this sanctuary's been built. They've been watching you. They've got some stories to tell. There's actually a scripture. It's just an oddly placed scripture that actually kind of talks about that. It's John chapter number 21, verse 25. It's that Jesus also did many other things, If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. One of those books is about you. One of those books is about me. There's a lot of stuff on me. Here's the thing. Like all idioms, it's nonsense. doesn't make any sense at all. These walls cannot talk. They can't hear, they can't see. Like, that's chiprock, that's paint, that's wood. They can't say anything. They haven't seen anything, they haven't heard anything. That's just a saying. The only people who can spread the word about what's going on at Mission Point is you and I. So when you're out at work, how do you bring church up? Just find a way. Oh, you wouldn't believe what's going on our church. Oh, there's this event. Oh, we had this hilarious couples event, and this is what we were doing. Oh, there, you wouldn't, there's like 150 kids in our son. There's so many ways to bring up what God's doing at Mission Point everywhere we go. It doesn't have to be offensive. It doesn't have to be aggressive. It can be the most subtle thing. What, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I went to church. It was great. This happened. It'd be so easy to tell the story so that more people can experience what's going on inside these walls. Music, if you want to come back. 807, perfect. I like that scripture. There wouldn't be enough books to contain everything that God's done. 
And you, at first you're like, how's that possible? But then you start to think about, think of all the little things he's done just for each and every single one of us in this room. And then you start thinking about it. Well, I'm breathing today. Heart's beating. I woke up. And then you start thinking, yesterday, the day before that, the day before that. It doesn't take long Do you realize, yeah, there aren't enough books to write down all the things God's done. Those are the small things. There's also some really big ones. So tonight in this place, if you need something big from the Lord tonight, could be a miracle of any kind. Maybe there's a sickness in your body or someone you love. Maybe there's a problem at your job, a problem with money, a problem with even your soul. Maybe there's a situation where you just don't know if you're ready to go meet the Lord. If you've never been baptized yet in the name of Jesus Christ, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost yet, I would invite you tonight to come write that in the story of these walls. Listen, I can probably point to the exact place right over there. First time I really truly felt the presence of God. That's the baptistry that I was baptized in and many others in this room. I could... That place on the wall, that pew, so many different places just in this room alone where God wrote something in the story about me. This is not some exclusive club. There's no membership fee, no membership card. There's nothing like that tonight. It's just if you want God to do something for you, you need to have faith in him and you need to step out in that faith and say, God, I need you to do something for me we could all stand tonight. And even if you're in this place, you're like, well, I can't really think of anything I need God to do for me tonight, this exact moment. I'd still really appreciate it if you would come to this altar tonight when they begin to sing. And if you say, I can't really think of anything specific to pray for, I just ask you to do this. Can you thank God for this church, for this building, and for the probably incredible positive influence it's had on your life. Just thank God and say, God, if it wasn't for this place, if it wasn't for this preaching point, if it wasn't for that altar, I do not know what my life would be tonight. You, and you, oh, we all can do that. Thank God for Mission Point. Thank God for this church. Yes, the building and the people. And pray that God will help you find a way to show more people and to bring more people so that they can have this positive influence, this life-changing place as part of their life. You want to be silly? Just say, I want my coworkers watch to tell them you need to go to the 130 Mark Drive area. They're going to begin to sing, and I'm just going to ask everyone to just come to this altar. You don't have to stay for a long, long time. One song. Give me one song. But can you thank God for this place? Can you thank God for all it's meant to you? And if you need God to do something in your life, you need to come forward and just raise your hands and ask God for whatever it is. Because he's still doing amazing things inside these four walls. 
He's still writing the story of this place. If you need the Holy Ghost, God fills people with the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. If you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus and you decide, I need to do it tonight, you see Pastor Robertson and he will make sure that it happens tonight. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you, God, for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.